Hi, I'm Mark Cuban, publisher of Industry Magazine, Inside Film. I'm Jackie Keys, editor of Inside Film. We're self-appointed experts in content and in making each other laugh. Welcome to our podcast, On The Tools, where we recommend things you should watch, listen to, read or scroll through. This week we're talking about two podcasts, Ear Hustle and Shadow of Truth. The app Depop and the Instagram account at Depop Drama. And website and app New Atlas. So, we're, back. We've got, we're on our sixth ep. We're still here. We're still here. We haven't <laughs> been pulled yet. They haven't pulled the plug. So, we just keep on going. Um, what have you been listening to? I've been listening to a podcast called Ear Hustle, and probably a lot of maybe people have heard of this podcast. I mean, it's pretty popular. It has topped the Apple podcast charts in the past. So, perhaps it's not breaking new ground for me to talk about this, but I, I love this podcast. Um, so Ear Hustle is a podcast about prison life, which is produced from inside California's San Quentin State Prison, which has a men's prison. There's about 4,000 men there. It's mostly a medium security prison, but there are about 700 people on death row. Um, this is wow. despite the fact that no one has been executed in California since 2006. So the podcast was launched in 2017 it's co-hosted by Nigel Poor, who's a visual artist who volunteers in the prison, and Erlen Woods, who at that point was about 20 years into a 31-year-to-life sentence for second-degree robbery. <clears throat> and another prisoner, Anton Williams, he does the show's sound design. And the sound design in the show is really good. Like he does a lot of foley, which brings the show to life. Like there's keys jangling when they're walking down the hallway if it's about a corrections officer and stuff like this. And they also include a lot of music from within the prison, like a lot of uh, I like a lot of the guys rap and then stuff like that. So like um, original, original, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the songs that they prisoners create, wow. um, they include in the show. So ear hustle is prison slang for eavesdropping, and so the show is about just basically everyday life in prison. And normally they have someone tell their story around a particular topic, but they also go around the yard and they do a lot of vox pops and stuff like that. So like topics include like stuff like how do you find someone to love or date from within prison? Like how do you have sex? Like married people are allowed to have conjugal visits where you can go to like a cottage for 48 hours, but people also find workarounds, which we discover like ways to have sex in the visiting room just very subtly. So so what, all prisoners are allowed those visits? Only if they're married. Wow, okay. Yeah, but it, it, that ep- there's a whole episode about this. It's called Inside the Boom Boom Room. <laughs> the Boom Boom Room. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, um, boom, boom room. yeah, but it's like a really moving because obviously some people go to prison like at a really young age. Like so there's a guy they interview who's just gotten married and he's 43 and he went to prison when he was 19 and uh, he, so he met this person woman on the inside and he hasn't had any sexual experiences since he's 19. He's 43. Like it's like oh. being a virgin again, but you're middle-aged. And Terrible. And he's so used to, he talks about like he's so used to being around men all the time, like barely ever sees women. So he's just afraid of being like even hugging her too tightly. Like he doesn't know how to hold a woman. And he's so used to sleeping alone. Like he hasn't slept next to someone else for 23 years. So it's just like you start to realise some of the deprivation that comes with being in prison. Um, they also talk about what well, it's like to be can gay. Can I just say, even, oh, sorry, go on, even go on, go on. with lockdown, you know, where 
we were sort of confined to our homes. I did think about what it must be like being incarcerated because yeah, it's it's hard. It's horrible. You well, know, there's one that losing that that liberty, and you know, and they don't have half. At least we can still do whatever we want. We're right, in our, our comfortable homes. homes with our families, and you know, like. But I do think there is that thing in about physical touch, and you don't. If you don't have that, you start to lose some of who you are as a person. Like one of my friends in lockdown, he <laughs> met up with a girl from Tinder on a date, and and they hugged, and he. It's like Jackie. I felt like I was going to start weeping because no one had touched me for so long. <laughs> Like it just, yeah, it's just so strange to be without other people. But even in even in the show, I mean, prisons go into lockdown, and then you can't actually leave if there's like a security issue. And there's like a, in these this show, there's like there's a huge break between one of the episodes, and it's because they were in lockdown for three weeks. They don't leave their cells. They don't go outside. Um, but yeah, they also like cover stuff like what's it like to be gay in prison, which is by all accounts like a really still a very hyper-masculine, homophobic place and or what it's like to be trans in prison. There's a woman, a trans prisoner in there called Lady J who they interview um, who's kind of forced to be living in San Quentin. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> you think by now they would have had, like, transgender prisons? Well, it's funny and, and apparently if you've got full gender reassignment surgery then you can go to a woman's prison but Lady J hasn't. But it's funny they said that it, when they, there's an episode where they talk about what makes you feel good in prison and they talk about, like, getting their hair cut and stuff like that and then Lady J talks about before in the, oh, I think, I don't know, decades ago because she's been in prison quite a long time, how she used to, like, create makeup from soot and, like, gr- use na- newspaper dye to make lipstick and stuff like this. But now, like, in the... Um, the shop that they have, there's like a transgender section. Um, there's like six transgender women in this prison. And then they talk about stuff like what's it like to be on death row. Some people have pets in prison. You're not allowed to, but like people keep bugs, like spiders. Like one guy, there's this one guy who keeps like tons of things. He got really upset because he had like 21 snails and one of the, the corrections officer threw them away. But again, it was that thing. It's like it's just a human desire to, I guess, Look after something. something. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he talks about this idea of, like, unconditional love and, like, he hasn't had that in his life. Like, I mean, lots of these people that have gone to prison have gone to prison for making a mistake but had, like, pretty bad childhoods and I don't think he had, like, a good relationship with his parents or anything like that. So then like, not, not only thing that's given him unconditional love in his life is animals. And then they like, talk about being a parent in prison and, like, what's it like to be in solitary confinement? Because I always thought solitary confinement was, like, a punishment, but some people are in solitary confinement for, like, 20 years Why? Why? I think they probably, I don't know. I think there's probably, like, they've done crimes where they need to be separated from other prisoners. I don't know. So Do they get outside at all? Or they, they do, just they do but they're in their cell most of the time and they don't have interaction with other people. I just remember they were talking about, been a while since I listened to this, but they like they talk about they have like these cracks in their cell and they push their finger through, and if someone else walks past on their way to someone else, they touch their finger. So it's like they have this sort of touch with each other. I mean, yeah, this show is obviously also about life choices and facing up to mistakes, and and probably the most powerful episode, which has sort of stayed with me, this woman who was sex trafficked as a t- child comes into the prison to talk to a prisoner who's in jail for sex trafficking. And it's interesting in particular because the woman and the man who is in prison, they had 
very similar childhoods of abuse and molestation. And this man was forced to start basically being a pimp by his mother, who was a sex worker herself, when he was 11. And he continues this into adulthood and kind of this is all he's ever known for his entire life, but he preys on and grooms young girls and is eventually put into jail on a 229-year-to-life sentence. How do they work that out? How, how can you do 229 years to life? I mean, I think it's like you have done so many. Each crime you've committed has a year-long, however year-long sentence, and if you've committed multiple crimes, obviously it adds up to an enormous number that you're obviously going to spend your entire life in jail. Not, no one is going to live to 229 years. No. But, um, but yeah, similarly, this woman that, that goes to interview him, she was groomed by a man when she was 11 and then forced into prostitution at 13 years old for three years. And then at 16, she kills this man and then she's sentenced to life in prison. Oh, and, what? Yeah. Like she, they, she said that she was basically in a court, like with all just white men that never let her tell her story like they never knew that they killed she killed him because he had groomed her and forced her into his life that she never told the jury that story um her sentence is eventually commuted but she's still spent 19 years in prison and afterwards she begins this restorative justice program where victims of crime visit incarcerated people who are perpetrators of the same crime so basically so you can start to see the effect of your crime on someone else so on the podcast they record her coming to meet this prisoner and they talk about forgiveness and stuff like that. And at one point she asked him, like, what would you say to someone who was thinking about trafficking today who was in your shoes? And, like, he talks about, like, himself. Like, he's surprised how he wasn't killed and the experience of being in prison. And, and she calls him out of it. She's like, all of your regrets are still about yourself. It's not about the well, people well. that you did all these things to. And, like, obviously that episode is really heavy. But, like, there's still light-hearted moments in this show. Like, and it's funny, and I, I think you can start, you see people's humanity. Like, just because someone has committed a crime doesn't mean that they're not a human being. But, yeah, the Woods, who's the co-host of Ear Hustle, and Williams, the sound guy, they're incarcerated, like, for the, well, Woods is incarcerated for the first three seasons of the show. And then he has his sentence commuted by the, California state governor who cites Ear Hustle as like part of his reformation. And so he's out now and he's like a full-time producer of the show. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah, I think Williams has also now been released from prison. And I, I, I guess since then the show started to include more episodes about what it's like to reintegrate into society, like and like what's it like to get a job, what is it, all that kind of stuff, just being in the world. It's so overwhelming. But there, like, I did there read are, something once where um, – I think it was in Australian prisons that some of those people who had spent most of their life in prison would reoffend to go back into prison because they just couldn't function on the in the outside world. Yeah, I think it's that's tragic. really common. At least in in prison, you understand the world. Like it, it's it's a place you understand the hierarchy, you understand how to function, and yeah, I think it's really common. But yeah, like there are eight seasons of this show. I haven't caught up to all the episodes yet, but obviously they start to talk about COVID in prison and because the show is now, uh, they start to go to some other prisons as well, I think, within California. But um, in 2020, it was a finalist for a Pulitzer Prize. So, again, if you don't believe my recommendation, take it from Pulitzer. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I'm definitely going to uh, tune into that. Mm. Um, was it very bleak or? No, it, 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 obviously that episode was I've talked about that because it was so emotional, but 
it's not all like that. Like there is one episode that's all about the music in prison. There's, the pets one is pretty pretty lighthearted. I mean, it, it's it's all of it is still quite moving, but um, mm. yeah. Wow. So I'm listening to a, a true crimes pod, podcast called Shadow of Truth. It's completely haunting, a lot of twists and turns. Uh, it takes place in a small Israeli town. Tarada was 13 years old when she went missing. The mother discovered that she wasn't home and she went searching, door knocking, ringing friends. The father then uh, was called and he went out looking. Eventually they called the police and the police went back to the school and found her body in one of the bathroom stalls or toilet stalls and savagely murdered. It was a, a brutal death but made stranger that no one saw anything or heard anything. The two journalists that made the podcast took a, a – what was made it interesting was a, it was a very neutral position which they took on this podcast. It was fascinating. It sort of explores the judicial system in Israel and I have to say it felt a little bit antiquated and in a way that the convicted killer was somehow set up and his first lawyer was a conveyancer. I don't think he was even a, a <laughs> criminal law lawyer. Um, so the setup goes that, you know, he eventually they send him off to jail. They do all this in, in interrogation. His jail, his jail mate is an undercover police officer who then basically asks him, you know, what had happened and this guy, this this janitor, somehow starts believing that maybe he did it but wasn't aware of it and says to the, his jailmate, what do you think I should do? And he said, you should confess. He said, that way, you know, you'll get manslaughtered and you'll be out. So he does. He eventually confesses. But later retracts his confession, claiming he was coerced into giving it. Anyway, a month after his arrest, the trial begins and he's found guilty. The interesting thing, though, is that the public won't accept the verdict, and that includes the murdered girl's mother. And so the suspicion then shifts to some teenagers. Why and, doesn't the mother believe it? Well, why doesn't the public believe it? They didn't believe it because I think they were privy to what had happened and also the circumstances around this girl. I mean, you know, a janitor in the girl's toilets, you know, I mean... It's all kind of strange. It happened during school hours. It wasn't after hours. And, you know, he had no prior convictions. I think he came over from Russia. So he later retracts his confessions, claiming that he was coerced. As I said, the public won't accept the verdict, including the, the murdered girl's mother. I think the father believes that he was guilty. But then the suspicion kind of shifts to some teenagers and rumours of a conspiracy. Meanwhile, you know, Zadorov is desperately trying to clear his name and he gets a a new lawyer that goes through all the finding, all the evidence, and realises thing's completely flawed. So, you know, six years after the murder, uh, a mysterious person comes forward with some information about the case, and the person goes into great detail and basically points the finger at his old girlfriend. Uh, so the girlfriend, I think the lawyer then investigates this thing and the, the police look into it. And so even though they have this new suspect. 
they find out that this this girl had tried to kill someone while under house arrest. So that, but it's like the authorities do everything in their power to bury the case. Uh, it goes back to trial. I think gets thrown out again. It's phenomenal. It's just incredible listening because you feel like the evidence that kind of mounts up. None, none, nothing makes sense. And you know, I'm not saying he's innocent. I'm not saying he's guilty. But just the structure of the Israeli judicial system, you know, there's no juries, three judges. I think it's common practice for the police to, they basically said to the, this this guy who was convicted that they had DNA that conclusively proved that he was there when they didn't have any DNA. Mm. And it's so manipulative. It's completely manipulative. Fantastic. And I, it was one of those ones I had to binge listen to it because it was phenomenal. It's still going on. Uh, I haven't listened to. There's just been an update recently, but you know they interview these two journalists. Go and interview the mother and talk to her and talk to a whole bunch of people. And you know, it's it's. I feel for this guy. He's trapped. You know, and no one's innocent. Everyone's kind of been tarnished by thing this this event, and it's still the talk of the town. And it is interesting the fact that you know most Israelis think this guy's innocent. Mm. Really worth watching. So it's called Shadow of Truth. And I definitely want to watch the Netflix program. But I think... Sort of like it's scary when it shows how... Well, apparently it's if you know how to, it's relatively... You can implant false memories into people's brains and make... Yeah, you can convince people they did something and it just shows you like the police are obviously under pressure. They want to close it. They want to get it done and then easier to just blame it on someone and get well i mean all that stuff that they you know those tactics they employ sleep deprivation and you know it's it is interesting because he said maybe i didn't believe maybe i did it maybe but then he's talking about well i kind of remember leaving the school and going picking up doing this you know these errands and so you know it's like he's been brainwashed himself Mm. it is fascinating and look at it's happened here as well. I mean, you know, Azari Chamberlain, I mean, the mother had done quite a long time in prison as well and, you know, it was almost like even with the evidence or not enough evidence, she was convicted. Yeah, and terrible. Terrible. And what are you scrolling through? <laughs> On a lighter note, um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about Depop and this Instagram account Depop drama. I mean, in lockdown I moved house and... As part of that, I kind of needed to somewhat downsize my wardrobe. And by downsize, I also mean come to terms with the reality that over the past five years, I've slowly gained 15 kilos and, like, don't fit half my clothes. <laughs> like or... all of us. <laughs> Lockdown did not help. Anyway, <laughs> I, and I also have, like, there's been, an Im- I realise, an embarrassingly large amount of occasions where I bought something online and it was too small and instead of just returning it, and maybe that was out of pure laziness or maybe I just thought, you know, I'd delude myself that I'd lose weight and fit them. I never did. And so there was quite a lot of things in there that have like brand new with tags on that I've never worn. So it's a bit of a process, a process for me. But um, So, so what yeah, is I've it been, exactly? What is this site? Yeah, so I've been selling a lot of my stuff on Depop, which is an app where people can sell secondhand clothing. And it's I think it started in the UK. There's a lot of British people on there, but it's pretty big in America as well. Um, it only started in Australia, I think, last year or maybe the year before. It's become huge because obviously there's this swing away from fast fashion. Like people have realised that a huge amount of landfill is filled with clothes, like H&M. And 
this app, it, it, it leans very heavily into aesthetics. It's like, it looks a lot like Instagram. It's almost exactly the same format. Um, and most of the people on the site are Gen Z said and around 18. So I'm already way too old to be on there. But like I've had a decent amount of success because including selling things that I thought I'd never sell, mainly because the biggest trend in fashion apparently is what they call Y2K or early millennium fashion, which was when I was a teenager. So some of the stuff I've sold on there, there are Y2K originals, baby. I have not a hoarder, but I've held on to a lot of things that I had from back in high school so long that they are now in fashion, like earrings I've sold on there and stuff like that. On eBay, you might have got triple. Maybe. I don't know. I just like Depop. I like the format maybe because I'm just sucking into the aesthetic of it. eBay is ugly and like difficult to navigate. But like I've sold over 100 items and made more than $1,000 on stuff that I was just going to otherwise take to Vinnie's. And like, side note, like apparently Vinnie's across Sydney are now getting raided because people are having like really lucrative success on Depop and like they buy stuff in Vinnie's and upmark them, which like one of my friends did, but at the market. So people have been doing this forever. But like I've seen stuff on there that's like, a jumper from Miller's from the 90s and they're selling it for $70. Like Miller's is a shop for old ladies in regional towns and I know that because I'm from a regional town. I've also seen people wow. trying to pass off jumpers from Kmart as vintage and like that annoyed me so much I tried to report it. But like it is possible to buy some pretty amazing secondhand designer stuff on there too. Like there's people on there selling Louboutins and stuff like that. Um, hard to ex- assess if it's genuine but whatever. But like I worked in retail for probably seven years. So like the customer service element of this, I am now a seller and I have to engage with all these people that are coming into my quote unquote shop. So I'm taking me back to <laughs> working the floor at David Jones Bondi Junction like a bitch. <laughs> and like, and I guess like it's reminded me like customer service is basically holding your face into a frozen smile while people are unreasonable and rude often. I mean, that's obviously really nice people, but, you know. I have, I have uh, a friend, uh, a really good friend, Freddie, who's a, a bartender. And the other day, well, last week, I caught up with him and uh, we had a drink. Anyway, I don't know if it was the appropriate place, but he just broke out into having a bitch about <laughs> customers. And uh, there was someone within earshot who kept looking across, and I felt like saying, uh, maybe you should just tone it down a little bit. But he's going, look at me. I'm just like a performing seal. It is um, true. It is true, but there's a there's a time and place for everything. <laughs> But it's not uncommon for people on Depop to make really r- ridiculous requests. And look, part of this is, I think, because there's a lot of really young people on this site. It's like, can you hold, put this on hold until my mum gives me some money? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> or can I, like, ask for, like, 50% discounts on something that's already, like, $15? So just mark it up. Yeah, I know. But uh, anyway, or they pretend their PayPal isn't working and they want to do it off off the site. I'm like, mm, this is dodgy. Yeah, no, nah, forget that. But um, so to help me, like deal with the annoying dms that i i get on there I become fairly obsessed with following this instagram account it's called at depop drama which is just like screenshots of hilarious back and forth dms between buyers and sellers and often like they'll be posted being like who's in the wrong here and then the comments will uh, like debate it and it's pretty <laughs> funny um there are also like there was one yesterday it's, there's a pretty extreme horror stories on there like there's a buyer who's complaining to a seller that they sold them a jumpsuit with skid marks in it <laughs> 
<laughs> and then the question is like, hi, why is there shit in the jumpsuit? It's fucking vile. And they put a photo of it. And the buyer's just like, oh, I'm so sorry, babe. I lent it to a friend. I didn't see that there. It's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. But then there's like people who write like messages like, can you do it any lower? 25 pounds maybe? Just to let you know, every Monday at 6 p.m. I watch the old people walk across the road from my bedroom window in case one of them falls over and I am there to pick them up. It's like, I'm a good person. Give me a discount. <laughs> but, yeah, like the, a lot of this exchange was stupid, but they made me laugh. And I'm like, There's a lot of people trying to pick up people in the DMs as well to no avail, which is hilarious. Like people being like, can you show – like sometimes people post just a, a skirt or a top, but they're not wearing it. And so people it was pretty common for people to ask you, like, can you put a photo of it on? And then the guy writes back, you're fit, what's your Snapchat? And he's like, that's my girlfriend. <laughs> Stuff like that happens pretty often, like fairly often. But, like, I recommend Depop Drama if you don't, even if you don't have Depop. It's, it's a pretty big Instagram account. It's got 615,000 followers. So, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Look, I just, um, you told me about it and I've got, you know, I collect a lot of shoes, I'm a bit of a shoe hoarder. So I've got a lot of stuff I want to sell. So I did set up that account ready to go. I haven't posted anything yet. but um... Yeah, I'm surprised. I, like all the things that I thought, this is an amazing, like some of the stuff that I was like, this is amazing, just doesn't fit me. This will be the first thing I sell because in my mind this is the most fashionable thing on there. But then, no, sometimes it's just like these ugly things that I'm like, just put it on here because I'm going to throw it out anyway. And those are the things that are getting bored. Often it's cheap stuff, but yeah. But, you know, the, the thrift shops in Sydney are really expensive. Yeah, they are. I went and had a look so and there's some shitty Hawaiian shirt. It was like 60 bucks. Well, if you go to Newtown to some of those vintage stores, it's like this is ridiculous, This some of the prices. It's just like an old jumper. But, yeah. Mm. Anyway, so what's the name of that site again? Depop. Depop. I will set up my account and I'll let you know how I go. <laughs> I've got the name. I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. So, you know, we spoke I think a few podcasts ago about long form and, and finding interesting sites that are really informative and they're just not press releases. Uh, so I found this website slash app called newatlas.com. It's one of my favourite sites at the moment. It's like window shopping for stuff if you were really rich. Um, <laughs> that sounds and, like torture to me. And bored. <laughs> Look, it was launched in 2002, so, you know, it's kind of the early days of the internet and these sorts of places, so they've been around for quite a while. I like it for several reasons. It's actually run by um, a couple of really old-school journos, so their content's fantastic. Their mission basically is to cover topics and innovation around the development of ideas that advance the world. It is really great. It's really diverse. Um, Is it mainly tech? Well, no, it does a whole bunch of stuff. Look, the audience, what was really interesting is uh, while the site has a predominantly US, UK and European audience, it's actually an Australian publisher. Okay. And I was really surprised. Um, he's got a massive audience. And so, no, it's not just tech. They sort of cover things like science, uh, transport, technology, uh, automotive, electronics. They've got, you know, all this van life stuff. So they've got these vans that pop up every now and then. It sounds like a site for boys. It is kind of, it is, look, it is it does have a <laughs> kind of male, male skew. But, you know, I mean, look, they do cover sites and their stuff and it's long form, you know, it's mm. not a press release and a photo. So they get, they do quite a bit of work, quite a bit of research. They validate a bunch of stuff. 
But recently, one of the things that I just read recently, which was kind of concerning, but it gives you a, a, a taste of what the site's about. But recently, they published a first of a kind study which looks at you know plastics, you know, and the effects of plastics on human health. And you know, as you know, plastics break down into microplastics, and then you know they're in the ocean and sort of they enter the food chain. Uh, which we then consume through the food and water. But no one really knows what impact that might have on human cells and whether ingesting plastic has any potential toxic effects. So, But the findings are alarming and demonstrates how microplastics can alter the shape of and decluster human lung cells. And that chemicals oh, great. Found, I know. <laughs> and, and chemicals that are found in plastic can do alarming damage to brain cells. The study was the first of its kind, led by some scientists at Hull York Medical School. They go into it in long form and in a lot of detail. And, you know, what, what is alarming is that plastics now, you know, I think, what is that, the, um, that trench, you know, the deepest part of the ocean? What is it, oh, Mariana? Yeah. Is it Mariana, it's, whatever it's called? Yeah, something like that. You know, they're finding plastics down there in the bottom of the ocean, like plastic bags and things like that. They're finding it in the poles up on mm. Everest, you know, it is everywhere and it is alarming. And so and the other day I was reading something about how there's these floating islands in the ocean made up of plastic, right? Yeah. And, and they're microplastic and, and microbes are now living on them and making their homes. Oh, it's become an ecosystem. It's, it's a, well, it has become, yeah. become an ecosystem, but, you know, these things break so down. Depressing. It is really depressing. But, you know, so that's that's some of it. So, you know, they'll show you the sporty cars. They'll explain, you know, vertical takeoff aircraft and, you know, new motorbikes and tech and all sorts of stuff. And it is a really interesting site and, you know, daily there's great content on there. And it is long form, which I really, really like. And the fact that he's an Australian publisher made me very excited. And he's a motorbike rider. I spoke to him. Oh, you sound like you should be friends. We are. We're going to be friends. But he, <laughs> he just he doesn't, doesn't know yet. He doesn't know yet. But he rides <laughs> some big triumph thing, which is not a favourite bike of mine. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's called newatlas.com. It really is worthwhile subscribing to. It is like one of the few places or one of these few kind of news websites where it's really broad it covers a whole bunch of different verticals or genres and it's written by journalists so yeah a great site so is that it no i was gonna say like i mean microplastics we should not be using plastic as much and we should not be buying as many fast fashion clothes look how we are saving the planet with this podcast (laughs) well you know (laughs) Besides all the electricity that we're using to currently record it. Well, there you go. Just we shouldn't wear clothes. (laughs) This is a naked podcast. It's a naked podcast. (laughs) We should go back to just, I don't know, grass skirts. (laughs) Coconut bras. bras. (laughs) I did wake up in one of those ones. Did you? (laughs) The end of a party. I was young then. Um, we'd like to wish you a really happy and safe holiday. We're going on holidays ourselves, so we probably won't be recording for about two weeks. Yeah. Yes. We, need, um, we all need a break at this time of year after the year we've all had. Yeah, we do. But have a safe and happy holiday. Make sure um, you subscribe to our podcast and we'll be in touch. And if there's something that you 
want us to review or you might find interesting, you can find us on onthetoolspodcast.com. Have a safe and happy holiday. Happy holidays. We're on the tools. All you need is help.